you ever thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with, while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower. My show is called Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we're going to have a wonderful trip today. My guest is Andrea Brent, and she's been a psychotherapist for over three and a half decades. And her um, office is in Southern California, more specifically Santa Monica, California. Is that correct, Andrea? That is correct, Jonathan. Okay. Santa Monica. Yes, Santa Monica. So um, to begin with, before we get into the the nitty-gritty of everything, would you tell me and our listeners what it was like growing up and how you were with people in your family and what kinds of things you enjoyed doing as a kid? And we'll just take it from there. Sure. I grew up as an only child in a very emotionally divorced family. Uh They never got divorced, so in fact they should have. They were just very separate. They had their own separate lives. Um, And I was very lonely because they each had their own businesses as well. They were both very successful Uh entrepreneurs. And I was at home um, with uh, a housekeeper, many times my grandmother or grandfather. Um, And it was just really lonely. Yes. Did you, did you have a chance to play with other kids when you came home from school? I did. I did. Thank God for friends in the neighborhood. Yes. You know, we used to uh, be very athletic, you know, uh-huh. play baseball or softball, as it was called. Yes. Um, and, you know, tennis. And thank God the thing that saved me in my childhood was being sent away to camp every summer for two months. Uh-huh. It served my parents because they knew where I was, but yes. it was a godsend for me because I could be, A, out of the house, yes. and um, B, I could be around all these people that I loved that were wonderful, doing wonderful sports and, and you know, photography and horseback riding and all okay. kinds of terrific things. Yeah. So uh, at times, were your parents available for you? Um, Not my dad, Uh but my mom. I I really, as much as he lived there, I don't know very much about him. Yes. You know, as a therapist, I'm sure you know this, you go to different classes and they say, and what did your mother think about anger or sadness or what did your father think about these things? I could tell you what my mother thought, but I can't, I don't have a sense of what my father thought. And, and yet he was there. I'm sure he cared about me and I idealized him because I could make him anything I wanted him to be. Yes. So as you, um, were going in school, uh, elementary school and then junior high and high school, what kinds of uh, things excited you in school? 
Well, I always loved learning. It kind of, I like learning and I like movies. It kind of took me out of my reality. Yeah. And you didn't have any favorite genre movies? I like people. And you like people? Yeah. And and so um, I would like the the history classes and Uh um, I wasn't that big on math and science. I was much more into the creative arts. and. Yes, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was more fun. Yes, I mean, I cringed at chemistry and physics, but uh, learning about people was exciting. Yes, yes. Yes. And then um, when you, in college, what was your major in college? Interestingly, my major was journalism and um, psychology was yeah. the minor. And so um, I went through four years of journalism with psych as a minor. Yeah. But when I decided to, um, I, I, I moved to, from, I grew up in Chicago, and I moved from Chicago to Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And I got married, and I was in the motion picture industry. And what, 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 I noticed in the motion picture industry and on the production side that everybody would talk to me and tell me their problems. Yes. Um, and it was kind of easy for me and fun because, as I said before, I love people. I yes. like what makes them tick and everything exactly, like that. Yes. And their story. So... Um, I decided I was going to enroll in UCLA, and uh-huh. I enrolled, unbeknownst to myself, in all kinds of classes that would get me back into school. Yes. And at the same time, I had read this article about the Southern California Counseling Center, uh-huh. and uh, I went into their paraprofessional program. Yes. And I was also in therapy. I was in analysis. We're going back a long time. I was in analysis five days a week because I was not happily married. Yes. And I liked what was happening in my own therapy and analysis coupled with what I was doing at the counseling center. And I decided, well, wait a minute. Why don't, and and the industry was fun and everything like that, but it was before the time when women had a lot of power, you yeah. know, the Sherry Lansings weren't there yet, or Dawn Steele, or any of those people. Yeah. Um, so I decided that maybe I would just go back to school to become a therapist. Yes. Yeah. So I left UCLA and decided to go to Antioch. I continued my work at the Southern California Counseling Center. Uh-huh. And voila. Yes. <laughs> I became a therapist. I and uh, what went. year did you become licensed as a therapist? I got licensed in 1976. I see. And I got my... Um, uh, my um, MFT, Marriage Family Therapy License. Yes. And then in number of years later, I decided to go back and get a Ph.D. Good for you. Ph.D. in what? Counseling psychology. Good for you. 
Yeah, so I did that in the 90s. I see. So, like, 20 years later. I really felt like I needed a Ph.D. in life before getting one academically. Yeah, I had the same idea for me. So, do you have uh, grown children? Pardon? You have children. Uh, Stepchildren grown. Uh Uh-huh. And are they still a major part of your life? They all live out of town. Two of them in New York, one in Boston. Yes. Yeah. All right. And okay, yeah. and then um, the fellow you were married to, who he had the children. Um, the children were from his. Yes. Yeah. And are the two of you together still? Oh no! I got divorced in nineteen. 19- Hmm. 75. I see. And um, I got divorced in 1975 and remarried in 1992. Uh, I see. And he is the children. I see. And we were together since 86. But and you're still together now? Yes. Excellent. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm happy. Okay, so let's um, talk about your book. It's called The Eight Keys to Eliminating Passive-Aggressive Behavior. Right. A very succinct and very powerful problem. It is. It's a real bad life strategy that people use. Yes. So uh, why don't you start by telling us how you decided to write this kind of book? Well, it was kind of interesting. I was approached. Um, Eight Keys is a series from Norton Publishing Company in New York. And I was approached to write a book on anger. And I'd been working because it had been one of my specialties, dealing with individuals and couples on how to constructively use the feeling, deal with the feeling of anger because it's everywhere and nobody's ever given the tools uh, or the permission to deal with their anger. So I've been working on that book for like eight or nine years when I get approached to do it for the eight series, and I decided I wasn't going to do that because I've been working on this book for so long, I wanted it to be a separate entity. Yes. So you wanted it to be your, folk, I, your creation. One, you wanted the book to be your creation. Yeah, exactly. Right, good. So, um, but I didn't say no to the proposition right away. I gave it some thought, and I thought, well, passive aggressiveness is the bane of my existence. You're not alone, maybe. And I tell this to people all the time. I'm so much easier and better off if someone says something to me directly. I agree. Even if I don't want to hear it or don't like to hear it, at least I know where I stand. Yes. But passive aggressiveness is a way to express angry feelings in a seemingly non-hostile way. Yes, but of course the hostility is right below. Yes, exactly. So I decided I went back with a proposal of doing a book on passive aggressiveness, and lo and behold, they accepted it, 
And so I wrote this book, and I think it's very powerful. Um, I believe it is because, you know, passive aggressiveness is bandied about around a lot. Yes. People say, oh, that's just passive-aggressive behavior, or he's a real passive-aggressive person, yes. or she is. But nobody really knows what it is or that it can be fixed. Yeah, they just, they just have it as a name. Exactly. They don't know what's behind the name. They don't know that what's under the passive aggressiveness is a lot of hidden anger because most of us, as I said a minute ago, were brought up in families that didn't want us to be angry. Anger, sadness, negative feelings were unacceptable. And so we learned to repress them. And then, you know, we form beliefs and they come oozing out in all kinds of unattractive ways Yes. when we're adults. Yes. So when you talk about negative feelings, even among a lot of psychotherapists, they lump uh, feelings as like uh, positive feelings and negative feelings. To me, they're all positive. Yes, it's all grist for the mill is what you're saying. Yes. No, I agree with you 100%. Yes. But society doesn't see it that way, Jonathan. I, I know, it's a huge problem. <laughs> society, you know, we have a lot of influences. They, children learn early, you know, what feelings are acceptable and which ones aren't. Yes. And some And some kids actually... Learn to be afraid of all their feelings. Yes. Even happiness and yes. joy. Well, if you you know as well as I do that if you go to repress your what they call negative feelings, yes. there you're not going to have your positive feelings available to you either because right. you just repress all of them, and you know the passive aggressive. Um, person is like wearing a mask that covers up all unacceptable emotions and you you wear it for so long you forget that it's there right until somebody says uh what's up what'd you do that for yeah. i asked you to bring home the cleaning second day in a row and you have forgotten yes so in your book the eight keys to eliminating passive aggressive behavior mm-hmm you you basically have eight keys, and um, I imagine you had a reason for the first one to be first, the second one to be second. I imagine it wasn't just uh No, no, no. There was a reason for the way yeah. they went. Yes. yes. You know, recognizing right. your hidden anger, because that's in essence where passive aggressiveness comes from. So you have to start with that as a base. So the first one is hidden? Recognizing your hidden anger. I see. So you help people get to the point where they can be aware of their anger. It doesn't have to be yes. hidden anymore. Correct? Yes. Yeah. And and how do you go about doing that with your patients? Well, part of it is that, um, and it, it's in these chapters here, I help them listen, I teach them to listen to their bodies because, you know, 
the biggest problem I see in this country is we all need to slow down. Yes. So when you say listen to the bodies, would they get to be aware of what they feel, the Mm -hmm. actual sensations in their bodies? Yes. The sensations and the feelings and the thoughts. You know, what's really going on with you? People... I ask them three, four, five times a day to just stop themselves and check in with their bodies and their minds. What are they feeling? What are they thinking? How do they feel about picking up this phone call and making, uh, having this conversation with um, their mother or, or their wife or someone? So they need to listen to their bodies and... You know, the key word today is, as well, I'm sure you know, is mindfulness. Yes, it's very in vogue these days. Yes, it's very much in vogue. So, As it should be, by the way. I agree. I yeah. agree. I think it's what saves us to be mindful, to be in the moment, and to slow down so that you can be mindful and be in the moment and know what's going on with you because it's the only thing that ultimately will give you choice. Yes. So basically you help people be aware of what's inside them. Right. At first it seems uh, uncomfortable or bizarre, but they get used to it and then they're off and running. Exactly. And then another thing that I do to help them is... When you're paying attention to your body, you become aware of thoughts that you are thinking. Thoughts and memories, both, yeah. Thoughts and memories, absolutely. And our thoughts, people have to separate facts from opinions. Yes. No? Right. We're going to stop for a moment. We have a, a commercial break to go to. Oh, sure. We'll come back and pick on right up where we left off. Okay, great. So we'll be back in about a minute and a half or two. Mm-hmm. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. We're back to talking with Andrea Brent, and she's a psychotherapist in private practice in uh, Southern California, more specifically um, Santa Monica, California. And Andrea, would you like people to uh, have a phone number or a, an email address or a website where they can contact you if they want to? Sure. Um, well, you can do all three of the above if you like. <laughs> My phone number is 310-828-2021. Wait, 310-828-2021. 310-828-2021. Wait a second. We, let's start over again. Area code 310. Yes. And then what? 828. 828-2021. Very good. My new website, which is launching tomorrow, Yeah. is... A Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T. B-R-A-N-D-T. A Brandt Therapy. A Brandt Therapy. Right, dot com. But you know what? It's just one T. In other words, it's A Brand. Oh. Therapy. Okay, that's good to know. A Brand Therapy. Right, dot com. Dot com. That's your website. Dot com, yes. And I'm kind of excited because it's supposed to launch tomorrow. Okay, good. And um, my email is kind of a long one, Jonathan. Okay. (laughs) It's abrant, B-R-A-N-D-T, Ph.D., Ph.D., at... A brand, B R A N D, therapy.com. Therapy.com. Okay, so it's A brand at the beginning, A brand with a D and a T. Yeah. And then PhD at A brand with a D but no T. Yeah. And then therapy. Yes, dot com, right. Okay, excellent. So people can get to you that way if they want to. Yes. Okay. So back to um, what we were talking about before. You were talking about... Right, the chapters. So yeah, the second chapter is reconnecting your emotions with your thoughts because we come out of our childhoods with a set of beliefs and we don't see them as a problem because yes. we think this is the way things are. Right, this is reality. Yes, if someone disagrees with us, they must be wrong. Yes. That's, it, the problem, however, is that sometimes we are wrong. What we see as reality is just a perspective that grew out of our childhood experiences. Yes. And we form them into a set of beliefs. You know, I think it was um, 
that uh, American psychologist Albert Ellis, uh-huh. who had that formula A plus B equals C, you have an activating event, yeah, and your belief, and then the consequence is the um, equal C, the emotional consequence. Yes. So, um, you. Uh, you know, George can be late for dinner. Um, that's the fact. And what you bring to it can be, well, George is never on time. George must be getting ready to end our relationship. Yes. You know, you just bring all kinds of baggage to it right. that you were brought up with, but you don't realize that because to you it seems like reality. Yes. So you, I help people go through their beliefs and sort out, you know, their fear of their feelings, uh-huh. uh, what's real here. So we do some reality testing and sort out the irrational thoughts Yes. from, you know, um, what is really going on here. Yes. When you and gave the example of the uh, father being late to the table, dinner table, yes. every night? Yes. Well, that by itself is passive aggressive. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Someone, um, my husband has uh, an old partner that he used to work with, and he's been... Uh, recently pretty ill and going through lots of medical things and uh-huh. so my husband calls him and wants to talk to him about it and this man's approach is to start telling him jokes yes because he doesn't know how to say I don't want to talk about it and it's frustrating to my husband who loves and cares about him he can't get anywhere with him. So he ends up not knowing what's going on with him or how he's feeling. Yeah. So he's got this friend who has a huge wall put up and there's, yeah. no, there's no chance for emotional closeness. No. Yeah, and, and your husband wants that for the, from this guy, but the guy's right. not willing to uh, and, and t- take, it, take into it. Right. And we can't kid ourselves that... You know, these beliefs are long ago and far away because they're still in our lives. They and certainly they are. Pop up. Yes. You know, all, all of this stuff is inside us. We're either going to be aware of it or we're not going to be aware of it. Exactly. To various degrees. Exactly. Yes. Um, now, you know, um, We're talking, okay, so then the third key was listening to your body, which I already talked a little bit about. Yes. And needing to identify unmet needs, you know, like the need for attention or affection or appreciation and acceptance. Um, The book also has lots of exercises in it to help people identify those unmet needs and um, it also speaks to 
what happens to emotions when you don't listen, you know, and that's a big piece of the passive-aggressive loop. Yes, and also with all this, a piece of it is that um, when the child is young and their needs are not uh, met, they're, they're unmet, yes. then there's a... a uh, there's a rift between the parents and the child, and there's a um, sort of, there's an attachment bond rupture that doesn't get repaired. Exactly. And then a lot of people, as we know, live their whole lives with uh, having these attachment bond ruptures making their life miserable every day of their life. Absolutely. And they're despairing and... They go through life in a trance. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yes. They do. They go through life in a trance. They don't know what's going on. They're, I work with someone who is constantly moving. Yeah. Because if she stayed still for a second, you know, she might cry or she might get angry. But she's just a moving target because there was such trauma and such a rupture when she was a child. And she's very passive-aggressive. Is this a patient of yours or a friend of yours? Yes. A patient? Yes. Yeah. So uh, at some point, did she become aware of that her moving around a lot is a way to... Um, Stay away from the feelings that she wants to... Uh... Yeah, she definitely has become aware of that. And yes. now we're dealing with all the anxiety that comes up. Yes. Vis-a-vis, you know, sitting still. <laughs> yes. You know, there's so much anxiety. And under the anxiety, there's a lot of sadness and pain and mourning. Because she was abused. Yes. And likely she has depression also. Yes. Because we know for a lot of people, if they have depression or anxiety, they have the other part too. Absolutely. They overlap to some degrees. Yeah. Yeah. And they develop, you know, what Winnicott would call this false self. Yes, they're trying to be something they're not. Right. They want... Because... We all have such a need for acceptance. It's so important. Yes, it is. And um, I think that, you know, people don't, we, people do what they do, and or we, a lot of times we come from a place of survival, even today. So people become very reactive. Sure. When if they got under that, they would just see that they want to be loved and accepted. and That's what we all want and need. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what's the next chapter of your book? Okay, so um, the next one is um, setting healthy boundaries. So, so give us a, give the audience a... Example of that. Um, setting healthy boundaries. Yeah. Okay. So I know for myself that when someone in my life 
is unhappy and they're going on and on about a decision they have to make. Um, I can either get caught up in that and go on and on with them (laughs) and give them 80 zillion different approaches and perspectives, or I can say enough. I can listen um, for, you know, a half hour about this or an hour, but Beyond that, I can't help you. Yes. And we we have, there's a difference between boundaries and limits. If you don't set the boundary, you're going to blow your top. You're going to get angry because you will have hit your limit. Uh-huh. And I think it's really important for people to know the difference between boundaries and limits. Yes. So, so when your patient is um, having um, lousy boundaries, they're in a quandary. Yeah, they really don't know. They don't what know. To do. Most of them didn't come from homes where they set boundaries. Yes. You know, so they just went on, and the parents were just inappropriate and. Um, intrusive and engulfing and didn't know how to set boundaries. And this patient that I'm talking about has a young girl um, and a child and has trouble setting boundaries there. I can't figure out if this child is her, the mom, or she's doing anything in her life that she really wants to do. Talking about the child or the or the, or the the parent. child. I can't figure out if the child is doing anything in her life that she really wants to do, yes. because the mom has no boundaries and projects everything that was going on in her childhood yes. onto the kid. That's a very chaotic environment for the child. Yeah, very very chaotic. Yeah. Um, and, um, so, you know, it reminds me, it's not a funny story, but in a way it is. Many, many years ago, I heard Ram Dass talk about working at a hospice in Boston. Uh And there was a woman there who was dying of cancer. I mean, it's a hospice. Of course, there are a lot of people dying of cancer or of some disease. And this one, however, would go on and on and on and talk about it and bemoan and be a victim and everything. And he took her aside and he said, Betty, we're going to have new rules from now on. You are going to complain about dying of cancer for one hour a day. And the remaining part of the day, you are going to live. And how did she respond to that? And she did it. She what? She did it. She did it. She followed his instruction. She needed someone to just take her. Yes. By the hand and say, hey, stop it. It's enough. Yes. That's what people are looking for, for someone to give them an instruction. Yes. So because if, uh, no one ever said that to her. 
Yeah. So if no one ever said that to her, she'd be um, talking about and thinking about her death the whole time and not having... Right, and just dying and being morose and victimy. And, yes. And this way, she had at least however many hours of the day she was up, she'd have a lot of hours. She could live and play cards with other people and have a good time. Yes. I agree. It's important to be able to have a good time up until you have to actually die. Exactly. So, it, you know, again, it is about setting healthy boundaries, knowing your limits, you know, passive aggression could be the third party in the relationship. Yes. Um, and and so um, you need to be clear. Yes. <clears throat> but it's hard to be clear. Boundaries. It's hard to be clear when you're having a lot of uh, walls put up. When it's when you're having what? When the when the patient or the human being is defending themselves, putting up defenses. Yes, yes. They can't have a good enough time being alive. Right. Yeah. Being yeah. honest is very tricky. Yes. So we're going to stop for our second and final break for the day, commercial okay. break, and we'll be back in a minute and a half or two. Okay. Good. Okay. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield, total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with my guest, Andrea Brent, and uh, she's a psychotherapist. 
She's talking about her book, which is called The Eight Keys to Eliminating Passive-Aggressive Behavior. And we've gone through about four of the first four to go. We have four more right. to go. Right. So the last point I wanted to make on the boundaries was you need to be clear and you need to be flexible. Uh, you know, boundaries and limits uh, might need to be changed depending on what the situation calls for. Yes, okay. Um, but then the Chapter 5 is communicating assertively, not passive-aggressively, not aggressively, but assertively. Yes. Uh, and I talk about, you know, what passive... What passive communication is, which is very kind of people-pleasing and confusing and apologetic. You know, they apologize for everything they say. Yes. That's very painful to hear, by the way, when I hear people say that. Oh, it is, isn't it? Very sad. Especially when they've done nothing wrong. Exactly. Um, Assertive communication is, you know, it's not reactive. It's respectful. Yes. It's collaborative, uh-huh. and um, you have to be heard, but you also have to hear somebody else. Uh, you make eye contact, um, have a relaxed posture, and speak yes. in a calm voice. Yes. And so I have lots of examples and exercises um, in this chapter and book about um, speaking assertively and looking out for the two people in the conversation. Yes. Uh, and learning empathy. Empathy is very important. And the difference between making you statements and I, which are very accusatory, and I statements which are um, non-judgmental. Yes. Um, The next chapter is reframing conflict. So most people go through life trying to avoid it (laughs) at any cost. They don't want conflict. They don't want confrontation. And so in here I speak to that point and how that doesn't work, um, that we need to be able to navigate this world, um, which is full of conflict, Yes. Uh, using our anger and our feelings, all feelings, in a productive way. And so I talk about compassionate assertiveness and rules for assertiveness. Um, and um, rules for compassion. Yes. Um, so, um, well, well, when you're when you're working with someone and helping them re- reframe conflict to something that's um, useful for themselves and the other person they're dealing with. Right. Well, I will help them. Firstly, we'll look at how they see conflict uh-huh. and where they learned 
to get angry or express conflict in a certain way. And then I'll talk about how I see conflict and what conflict looks like and how it really gets you more of what you want than the more aggressive way or the passive-aggressive way because passive-aggressiveness just confuses people. Yes. So give us, uh, the audience, give us an example of how you'd uh, reframe conflict as a positive thing. Okay. Well, I would... You can use a, a vignette or something if you like. A vignette. Okay. So... um one of the things that um, I said to someone today, as a matter of fact, okay, that's timely, yeah, yeah, is that um, he's um, smokes cigars, and in my opinion, he's an older person. In my opinion, this is my belief: he shouldn't be smoking at all. Yeah. He's had cancer in the past, not lung cancer, but another kind. Uh-huh. And um, he was complaining about the fact that he had a bad respiratory cold, and his wife was upset with him, and they had, because she wanted him to stop smoking, yes. and they were having this argument about it. And, you know, very calmly, I said to him, hey, wait a second. You're telling me that you've been plagued with respiratory illnesses. Yeah. You have a proclivity for chest, coughs, colds, and things like that. And yet, you're smoking cigars. Yes. And what was his response? I said, you know, does that make sense to you? Yes. And what kind of therapist would I be if I didn't bring it up? So what was his response to what you just said? He just sat there and he looked at me and he said, you're right. I see. He got what I was saying. I said, so don't you think we need to talk about this and see if we can reframe his belief is that at a certain age, you're ju- you just can do whatever you want. Uh-huh. Well, he, he can do whatever he wants, but then there... No, you can't do whatever you want. No, he I can mean, if he wants to. where is that written? <laughs> he can smoke 20 hours a day if he wants to. It's not, yeah, it's he not... can, but it's not going to lengthen his life. It's going to shorten it. Yes. And he eats very healthy, and he exercises and everything. This is one thing that he does that is not healthy, and yet he has um, convinced himself yes. that he could do whatever he wants. Yes. And so very kindly, I just said to him, I said, I don't think that this is going to work for you. Yeah. And I I understand why your wife is upset. Uh-huh. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, for, for, in precise, in, in precise, she wasn't upset. She was angry. Yeah, she was really angry. Yeah, but see, I'm very big on uh, people using terms to 
make it softer than it really is. Yeah. 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 No. So anyway, she so was she angry. Some, so, so the wife had some clout, and he decided to get in step with what she thinks would be better for him and and himself. Say that. I didn't hear that. Well, it sounds like um, at some point she and her husband spoke more about his smoking cigars very frequently, and yes. then he decided to um, try a different approach, not to smoke cigars. Right, but it was because I was showing him in his own behavior what he was doing. He was doing all this healthy thing, but he was smoking the cigar. It's very passive-aggressive. Yes. And very self-destructive. Yeah, and especially if he's doing it so that the uh, smoke goes into his wife's nostrils. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, so he really got what I was saying. Yes. So that's an example of reframing the conflict. So what about chapters 7 and 8? Yes, so um, the uh, 7 is... Mindfulness. It's all about mindfulness. And, and, and how so are you... there are lots of exercises yeah. about mindfulness. And mindfulness is the ability, as you know, is to sit quietly in a non-judgmental way and listen to what is going on inside of you. Yes. And to bring it to the situations that are happening today, you know, uh-huh. behaviors, using mindfulness to go for uh, assessing the motivation of why you might be doing something and coming up with a new goal. Uh-huh. And you can do all of that through the use of mindfulness. Yes. You could ask yourself questions, you know, what what is it I, I admire about my mother or my father or my partner? Yes. And there are all kinds of examples in this book that ask you those reflective questions. Mindfulness is not the time to, you know, like make decisions, but to just reflect. Yes. And the last chapter of the book... Yes. is disabling the enabler. <laughs> uh-huh. And how do you go about doing that? <laughs> In other words, you know, you've got this, um, you've got the person who enables yes. the passive-aggressive person. So you've got to speak to them honestly about their behavior without provoking defensiveness and denial. Yeah. Um, they they're confused, so they need to get clarity. Yeah, clarity um, is very important. Yeah, they need to get clarity. They need to set boundaries, speak to their limits. In other words, they need to change the steps of the dance. Yes. And then the enabler uh, gets healthier. Yes, because sometimes they pick up the same disease. Yes. You know, um, that they just put band-aids on the problem and give pain relievers, but they don't actually get close to these people. These people are not going to, you're not going to get close to them if you play into the game. Yes. 
Okay, so um, I'll give you a very quick passive-aggressive vignette. My mother was very anxious and was afraid of dogs and many other things. Her husband, my father, he came home one day. This is when I was uh, 10 years old. He came home with a German Shepherd puppy. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, as the puppy got older, my mother got more and more afraid. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, three years after Babe, that, that was the name of the dog. I love Babe. Three, so three years later, one day my sister and I come home from school, mm-hmm. and uh, we say, where's Babe? And my mother was reluctant, and then she said, um, Babe was taken, Babe's going to live on a farm. So, uh, of course, I was crying, mm-hmm. and um, my sister was crying also. Mm-hmm. And so my father, all along, knew that my mother was afraid of dogs, so he brought one home, and uh, it was really pathetic. So she was very anxious. My father, who was a surgeon, was uh, low-grade depression. He had, he had dysthymia. And between the two of them, in my opinion, they had a miserable relationship. Right. And uh, what I... what what they should have done with my sister and I is to let us know ahead of time that Babe's going to you know, be sent away because blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the reasons were specious, but best. But anyway, um, they, but my parents didn't want my sister and I to be aware of our feelings. Right. And, right. And, but then we were still left with our feelings that Babe, our special friend, was gone. Right. Yeah, and so the whole thing was crazy. That's a perfect example. Yeah. You know, another perfect example of people who have um, passive aggressiveness in their family is when someone's having an affair. Yes. That's perfect. Yeah. You know, somebody's having another life and they're being indirect and not talking about their problems. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's terrible. It is. Yeah. It is. My Whenever I hear that, people yeah. even yeah. thinking about having an affair, I always say to them, why don't you tell your spouse before acting, because you're going to go down a pathway that is going to be miserable. Yes, or at least... And create lots yeah. of pain. Why yeah. don't you speak to your partner about what you're unhappy about? Exactly. Yes, but people are afraid to face the real fear. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So I'm very glad we've had this chance to uh, go through your book. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's an exciting book. It really is. Um, yeah. Got a lot of good information. I really appreciate the opportunity of talking to you about it. Yeah, so I'm very glad you were able to be on my show today. I'm happy to have been able to be here. Okay, and I'll stay in touch with you, and I'll look at your new website tomorrow. Oh, good. I'm th- thank you, Jonathan. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. Okay, everybody, this is Human Behavior. We're saying goodbye for now. Talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.
You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-4- Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the Best 